Okay, we're going to be reading today from Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astounded at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Margaret, for bringing that reading and such a great story in the life of Jesus as we uh, journey on the road with Jesus this morning, as we continue in a, uh, a kind of a general trajectory of heading out onto the road and venture. It's kind of a metaphor for life, for your life on the road. Every day you're on the road doing stuff, you've got responsibilities, you've got people to see and meet, you've got all sorts of things happening, you've got work you know, pressures or demands. As a church community, we're, we're on the road always um, in mission with Jesus, and um, he's always leading us on deeper and further, which is great. Uh, but this morning, we want to look at just the theme of purpose. What, what does it mean to walk with Jesus and have purpose, to know his purpose in our lives, to, to live lives of purpose? So walking with Jesus uh, in purpose is where we're particularly walking and focusing this morning. Viktor Frankl was a, um, 
Jewish man who was caught up in the Nazi uh, death camps. I think he may have been in Auschwitz. I'm, I'm not sure exactly, but he spent time in the horror and the terror, the darkness, the inhumanity, um, the cruelness of those death camps in the 1940s. And he uh, was also, at that point, maybe, I'm not sure, starting to be a psychologist or was a psychologist. He was particularly interested in focusing on how, how to survive, as everyone was. But he noticed something as he watched other prisoners succumb to the, the terror, the deprivation, the, the cruelty, the starvation, the forced labour, the death camps. They were death camps. And he, he noticed something particularly that stood out to him in that time on how some people managed to, to get through and how others completely um, fell apart and collapsed mentally, emotionally, physically uh, and eventually uh, lost their lives. And what he noticed was the difference in those two types of responses was the ones who survived had had a sense of purpose or meaning that overrode their current circumstances, that transcended the horror, the darkness, the in, inhumane conditions they were experiencing. They, they, they had a sight, they saw something beyond the death camp that, that gave them meaning and purpose, whether it was faith, whether it was maybe the, the longing and the determination to see their their family again, their, their loved ones. They kept and held a purpose, a meaning, and that gave them strength and fortitude as they suffered in those terrible conditions. So this morning, as we look at this story of Jesus, there's a few things here, I think, that, that share with us the purpose and meaning that God has for our lives and the way that we can anchor our lives in him and in a way that yes hardship will come yes loss and grief will come yes tragedy may befall us yes external threats may appear but Jesus gives us some keys to his purpose for our lives here which is very powerful and very beautiful we'll start with the Cambridge Dictionary first what purpose is according to the dictionary, um, it's why you do something or why something exists, the reason something exists. If you do something on purpose, you do it intentionally. It's about intentionality, about how you live your life with intention. It's determination or a feeling of having that should be a reason for what you do, a, a sense of I know what I'm, I'm meant to be doing. I know what my life is about. I know what it is I'm living for. It's to have a use and a usefulness. And unfortunately, um, we see in our culture, and Viktor Frankl went on to do his further work as a psychologist and, and, and changed psychology in a big way um, with his insights that this was very important. Um, it wasn't just about modifying behavior or about you know, repressed feelings or whatever. It was about helping people identify purpose to give them hope for the future. And, and he and many others since have, have known and understood that when purpose collapses or meaning collapses in a person's life, 
their mental health, their emotional health, their physical health. There's a strong correlation between depression and a lack of purpose, a lack of meaning. In fact, I'm not a therapist, but one way of looking at depression might be a collapse of meaning, a collapse of purpose in a person's life. So it's really important. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, our purpose might have some temporary things. We have a purpose in our work, in in family or parenting or or marriage or singleness or church community serving. There's lots of like purpose that we have day to day. But ultimately our purpose is much bigger than the day to day things that we're involved with. If you look at the scriptures, we see things like this in Proverbs 19. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Ultimately, God's purpose prevails, no matter what happens in our lives. And we know, says the Apostle Paul, that in all things, God works together. Um, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So we have purpose, we have meaning, but it's bound up and joined up in God's ultimate purpose and meaning. And, and when, when we're aligned with him and anchored in his purposes, our daily situation in life may change and it will change. But we don't lose that sense of purpose or that sense, not even a sense, we don't lose that purpose or meaning. So let's look at Jesus this morning as he travels through Galilee and and I love reading these stories of Jesus and hearing and, and just imagining what it was like to travel with him and see what he teaches, what he says, what he does to affirm his purposes and to ultimately give us purpose as well. The first thing I think I've seen in this passage, and you might see other things, and I hope you do, um, and if you do have a Bible, you can follow along, so we're just in Luke 5, 1 to 11. Otherwise, I'll have some scripture on the screen. But don't be afraid to get out your electronic Bible or your, your old school hard copy like this. Um, and you can make sure that I'm not making this up, that it's actually there. Um, learn. Knowledge of God leads to purpose. Look at what Jesus is doing here early in his ministry. Just check it out. The people were crowding around him. What were they doing? They were listening to the word of God. They were listening to Jesus teach, explain the Old Testament scriptures to them, talk about the kingdom that he was bringing in, talking about what God was calling them to now. He was teaching and preaching God's word, and they were listening, and they were learning from Jesus. A little bit later in the passage, he had to go out on the boat, uh, just a bit off the shore, this was a great, Peter, you, you might appreciate this, a great uh, acoustic um, technique for speaking because water, sound waves travel over water right, really powerfully. They bounce on the water. So Jesus is on the shore. He's teaching. There's lots of people. Maybe it's getting so many. He goes out on the boat and then he's speaking across the water. So it's like amplifying his voice. So Jesus knew about acoustics, which was great. These days, we have one of these little babies. And he, he continued, and it says he sat down and taught the people. He taught the people. He wanted them to learn. He wanted them to understand. He wanted to correct 
false thinking. He wanted to challenge lies that were lodged in their minds and their hearts. He wanted them to know the truth. He wanted them to learn from him. So he teaches them. Do you notice where he's teaching? Like, what do you notice about this scene? He's not in a synagogue, though he did teach in synagogues. He's in the public square. This is the marketplace. This is where people did commerce. This is where people did their day-to-day life. He's teaching in the public square. Might be encouragement if you're in a Bible study group or somewhere, you know, meet, have your group meet down at a cafe, do your Bible study there. Um, He's teaching in public. It's not hidden away somewhere. And he's doing that deliberately. Jesus spent three years teaching his disciples. And sometimes we might get the sense that this was just kind of a, maybe a bit of a youth camp for three years, you know? They just kind of went along there and had a good time and followed Jesus and did a bit of Bible study here or there. No, this was formal university in the day. This was how young men, particularly at that day, how they learnt. They were aligned with a rabbi and the rabbi taught them. They lived with the rabbi. They learnt by action, by watching, and they learnt by being taught. This is formal learning that Jesus does and he does it for three years Intensively, It wasn't just like two crummy 13-week semesters at uni um, with lots of holidays and then you'd do your work in the last week anyway. Um, this was intensive 24-7 immersive learning, formal learning for these disciples. Three years. And yet sometimes like, we can become followers of Jesus or we're Christians and we haven't given three hours. I remember, it's just struck me over the years that We can grow up in a church community. We can be around the Bible and the things of God, but we don't really know. We haven't really read the Scriptures. I preached from the book of Esther once a few years back, and a lady came to me at the door who was in her 50s who'd been at church all her life and said, I'd never heard or read the book of Esther. I'm like, really? (laughs) Like, it wasn't wasn't a secret. It was there in the Bible. Um, And Jesus is encouraging the people here to learn, to, to take to heart what he's saying, to think about it, to work it into their lives. And he's doing it in a formal way. You know that Christians started universities? Oxford University, one of the premier education institutions in the world, was started by monks. All the major universities of, universe, of, of Europe were started by Christian communities. Harvard and Yale, two of the top universities in America, were started by churches. Christians have always had a strong emphasis on learning and growing, not becoming academic eggheads and just being puffed up with knowledge. I've met people over the years who know lots of Bible and they're just pains in the rear. (laughs) They haven't taken it to heart maybe or it's just become knowledge. It's not about being puffed up with knowledge. But it's about learning and taking it to heart. And I'm glad in our church, I was speaking to Yvonne Pollard this week, we've got like 12 or 13 women in KYB. What does KYB stand for? Know your Bible. That's right, because we want to learn from the Bible. And that's great. Uh, And we perhaps need some more home groups in our church, I think, but we're working on that where we can gather together during the week to learn and to grow around God's Word. So that's just a, you know, Probably telling you nothing you don't already know there, but why is learning important? Why is teaching, why is Jesus doing this? He's doing good deeds, he's healing, he's blessing. He's doing it because ignorance leads to all sorts of pain and problems. When we live in the dark, when we live believing lies, 
it impacts our life. Trent spoke really well last week from the passage just preceding this. We looked at the powers of evil, evil spirits. What is the main currency of the dark powers, the evil spirits in the Bible? The main currency is deceit, is lies. The, the first humans fell in the garden through a lie. They believed the wrong thing. They believed a lie. And lies and false news, fake news, will mess with your life and tear apart your life in destructive ways. If you lack knowledge of God, the Bible, knowledge of your own faith, Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If you lack that, you're vulnerable and susceptible to being deceived, to deception. Knowledge of God is power and leads to purpose. And when your world falls apart, which it likely will at some point, um, through grief or loss or all sorts of things happen to us in life, you will know God and his character. You will know that even though this is hard, even though this is difficult, even though it feels like my world is falling apart, I know who I believe. I know what he's like. I know he's faithful. I know I can trust him. I know that he will come through for me. And knowledge uh, will give you that. The knowledge of God leads to purpose, leads to strengthening your purpose. And secondly, if you look in this story, Jesus is teaching people. He's teaching the crowd, a bit like I'm teaching here this morning. There's a crowd. I'm not Jesus, of course, but I'm teaching. But then he narrows down on a couple of people in the crowd, particularly Peter. And he turns to Peter and, and he speaks to him. Because It's important to listen to Jesus, to be part of the crowd, but you could be sitting here this morning and you've never heard Jesus speak to you. You've never listened to Jesus and responded to him yourself. But you're part of the crowd, like many people were there listening, and not everyone who comes to church has to be a Christian. Hope if you're seeking and looking for answers, you're welcome. Uh, you don't have to believe everything the Christians believe to be here. That's okay. But Jesus turns to Peter, and he makes a request. He says, push me out in the boat, Peter, so he can teach a bit. And Peter's okay with that. He can handle that. But then, Pete, then Jesus asks Peter to actually head back out to fish again. Now, Peter's been fishing all night. He's been at work all night. So you've just finished a shift. Maybe whatever you do, you've been working all day. Um, you've been at the police station, Greg. You know, you've done the night shift. And uh, you meet this guy, Jesus, in the morning having a chat. And, and he, he wants you to go back to work. You're like, I've just knocked off. I don't want to go back to work. And anyway, Jesus, you're a carpenter and a rabbi. What do you know about fishing? You know nothing about fishing. Anyway, cut the long story short, Simon says, well, master, which gives an indication that he knows Jesus. He's already been relating to Jesus. They haven't just met. He says, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. I just want to get that out there. I'm a bit annoyed with what you're asking. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so, Jesus. What a great image for the Christian life. It doesn't make sense, God. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's... But I sense this is what you're saying to me. And so I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll listen to you, Jesus, because you are in charge. Listening to Jesus always brings fruitfulness and blessing ultimately. 
and, and right now they have a great catch, you know, economically they're set up there, it's fantastic, the business is thriving. Um, but sometimes listening to Jesus leads immediately to, um, to challenge and threat um, and danger. We have to trust him. But ultimately listening to Jesus leads to a deeper experience and understanding of who Jesus really is. It's one thing to be in the crowd just hearing Jesus talk. It's one thing when Jesus looks at you and says, Peter, I want you to do this. And you've got a choice. Do I listen? Do I say yes or no? Peter says yes, and he experiences Jesus in a new way. He'd heard Jesus talk. He knew about Jesus. He was in the crowd. He was like, Master, yep, I I like Jesus. I'm for Jesus. But he wasn't really didn't really know who Jesus was at this stage. He was near Jesus. He'd probably known him for some time. But now when he responds to Jesus' voice and he responds with obedience and says yes, he experiences something of the divine power and purity of Jesus. And look at what happens. He falls at his feet. He falls at his knees. He claps his knees and says, Jesus, go away from me. I'm a sinful man, Lord. Calls him Lord. Did you notice at the start of the story, he calls him master. Slightly lesser term, more endearing. Now he moves to Lord. Lord, I see myself. I see you, who you are. I see you in a new way. I see myself. And I'm ashamed. God, if you really knew me, if you really knew what I'd done, if you really knew about my life, you'd, you'd go away. Go away from me. I don't deserve to be near you. He's afraid. He's afraid that Jesus will see who he really is. And Jesus does see who he really is. He knows everything about him, his life, his heart. He knows his challenges. He knows everything. And he wants Jesus to go away. Now, when have you seen in the Bible before where people hid from God? Does that sound familiar? Yeah. It's kind of what we do, right? We, we, we see ourselves. We see who God is. There's a gap here between you and me. We need someone to bridge this gap. And Jesus knows that he is the one who bridges that gap. He is the one who brings humans and God together again in peace, reconciled and restored. And Peter should be afraid because Jesus does see and know everything about him. But Jesus is the answer. He provides the way for Peter to be forgiven to be made right with God. And in one sense, I'd say this. If you've never had a sense of your own sinfulness and brokenness as a person, have you really seen or heard Jesus? If you think you are basically a good person, that God owes you blessing for your good and upright life, then maybe you haven't really seen and heard who Jesus is. Maybe you haven't really seen and known how deep the depravity and the brokenness and the sinfulness of your own heart is, and the desperate situation that you are faced in with that sinful heart before a holy God. Listening to Jesus leads to purpose, real meaning and purpose in our lives because he knows what we are meant to do and he knows who we are meant to become. Listening to Jesus for us happens by listening to his word, through prayer, through gathering with other Christians in conversation and prayer, the body of Christ. So many times in my life, I felt God speak to me through the scriptures, 
through times of prayer, through other Christians who've prayed for me or said things to me at the right time. And, and, and God, if we're listening, if we're paying attention to our lives, Jesus is speaking to us. In fact, I've asked this question of people over the years, and I'll ask it to you now. What is Jesus currently saying to you in your life now? And what are you going to do in response? I remember leaving Adelaide when I was 21 years old. Had a really good job, um, fantastic job. I was on the career trajectory at a new five-star hotel, the Grand Hotel down at Glenelg. It was great. And I had a sense that God was calling me to leave my job, to go to Sydney and to study at Bible College. And my family said, you're an idiot, when I told them. Why would you do this? Why would you give up? You've got your life back together. You've got this amazing job. You've got a career path ahead of you. Why would you do that? I think Jesus is telling me to do that. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to people who don't know Jesus, right? They're like, that's just mad. But Peter listens to Jesus. And that's what Christianity is, listening to Jesus and doing what he says. The third thing I want to share um, is following Jesus leads to purpose. People learn from Jesus. They hear him teach. People start to listen to Jesus in their own lives and respond in obedience and they, they come to know him more. But it's not just knowing about God and having knowledge. It's not even just you know, listening. It's then acting, following. Jesus is calling these disciples and us to something more. The more we learn about God, his word, our faith, theology, the more we learn to listen to Jesus, even when, especially when it hurts and it's difficult, the more we grow in purpose in our lives. But knowledge of God, listening to Jesus, must lead to action, to following Jesus on his mission, joining him in seeking and saving lost people. I will make you fishers of men and women, says Jesus. I will make you fishers of people. And listen to what Jesus says to Peter and to the others. Peter said to, Jesus said to Simon after he says, go away from me, don't be afraid. It's all right, Simon. I know who you are. I know what you like. It's okay. But from now on, I've got a new purpose for you. You will fish for people. You will join me in my mission to transform humanity one life at a time, to transform this world with my good news. And so what did they do? I said, oh, we need some time to think about it, Jesus. <laughs> We've got to just check superannuation fund, make sure it's all okay. Uh, we've got some financial things to get in place. We've got to talk to our family, want to you know, let them know what we're doing. Um, there's a lot to think through, Jesus. No, it was immediate, wasn't it? It was beautiful. They're like, what an opportunity. We're in. He's calling me says Peter. He's calling you, John and James. They're like, forget this bloomin' fishing. We hate fishing anyway. We're going with you, Jesus. But this is so exciting. This is wonderful. This is brilliant. And so they follow Jesus. And how gracious and generous. Um, Peter, Jesus doesn't deny that Peter is sinful. Um, he doesn't take Peter's rejection personally, like, go away from me, Lord. He says, don't be afraid. For a little while, Jesus knows he will deal with the sins that Peter is so afraid of and our sins that we can be afraid of. Soon, Jesus will offer his perfect, sinless life on the cross for Peter's broken, sinful life. And he does that for us. And we won't have to hide from God anymore. And that's good news. So it's not about Peter's ability. 
his gifts, his status. It's not about our ability, our gifts, our status. Jesus just needs people willing to learn from him, willing to listen, and willing to follow. That's what he needs. Because he can do all the rest, right? Jesus says to Peter, learn from me, listen to me, follow me. That's all I need from you to transform the world. And then just as we finish, we meet Matthew the tax collector. Now, you've heard of tax collectors. They were notorious traitors. They were hated and despised. And they didn't deserve forgiveness. And they certainly didn't deserve to have Jesus say, follow me and be part of my mission. They didn't deserve that. They were horrible people, traitors, treacherous people. And yet Jesus sees Matthew sitting at his workplace, taking his tax from the people. And he's probably already got a relationship with him, knows him, has had conversations. And he walks past and says just these simple words. Follow me. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. He saw, he saw who Jesus was. He saw the purpose that Jesus was giving him. And then he holds a big party for all of his sinful, cruddy buddies he holds, holds a big party and, and like, you know, Jesus shouldn't have been at that party. They probably told dirty jokes. They were probably drinking too much. And Jesus went along. Isn't that, isn't that fascinating that Jesus felt comfortable to teach in the synagogue with all the religious people and all the upright moral people? And he felt quite comfortable and relaxed going to the house of a, a traitor, a sinner, with all of his mates for a party. I love that about Jesus. He mixes it up, doesn't he? (laughs) Um, And then the religious people are are rightly upset. Jesus is a rabbi. He shouldn't be in the house of such a sinful person. There were laws against that. He could have become defiled and unclean. And so they're upset. And Jesus just says this, this powerful word to them. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And it has a sting in the tail because the upright moral people, the religious people, were sinners too. They just didn't know. They took pride in themselves as being moral and upright. And, and so it's a sting in the tail because they might have thought, oh, well, that's okay then. He's just come to call sinners. <laughs> that, that's not me. You know, where I'm not a sinner. I'm an upright moral person. I obey the law. But there's a sting in the tail because they're sinners too. As the Apostle Paul said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, so maybe you're lacking in purpose. Maybe you're not sure what your purpose is. Maybe you're too busy, you're too old, you're too educated, uneducated, too young, overeducated, unemployed, shy, stubborn, rich, poor, single, married, whatever, not feeling well. Maybe you feel you're too sinful. Well, the good news is Jesus has this same purpose for your life, to learn about God, to listen to Jesus, to begin a relationship with him, and to follow him and join him in changing the world. Think about it just practically. What If you're part of this church community, are, are you serving? Are you seeking a way to, to be involved? To, uh, are you expressing a ministry through your workplace or through your vocation? Um, are you looking for opportunities to serve God? in your life and just one last thing as we close look at the circle of relationship that grows deeper for peter he's in the crowd jesus is teaching the crowds and peter's in the crowd like you are this morning 
And then Jesus looks at Peter and directly speaks to him, like Jesus might be directly speaking to some of you here this morning. And then Jesus calls him, and Peter follows. Jesus calls him to follow, to join him in his mission. Maybe what Jesus is calling some of you here this morning. Maybe you've been in the crowd for a while. Maybe you haven't heard Jesus' voice. Maybe it's time to listen. Maybe it's time to follow and live life with purpose and meaning that can't be shattered, that can't be broken. Jesus is bringing in a kingdom that is unshakable and eternal and can never be broken. And he invites me, he invites you, the privilege of learning about him, learning about God, of, of listening to Jesus in our lives as we pray, as we share together in faith, and following Jesus and serving him and his purposes in the world. Jesus has a purpose for you. Put your hand up if you have breath in your lungs currently. That's good. There's two people who put up their hands. Can someone call an ambulance? If you have breath in your lungs, Jesus has a purpose for you. And beyond this, we have eternal life, but Jesus has a purpose for you. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself. Jesus wants to and can use you. So come and talk to me after if you're thinking, hey, I think Jesus was talking to me this morning through those stories. Come and have a chat to me. Have a chat to Trent, one of the elders, and we'd love to talk to you more about following Jesus and learning from him because we're learning from him still and trying to follow him too so we can do it together and help each other. Um, let me pray as the team comes up. Father, thank you for this beautiful word of Jesus. We thank you that in Jesus we have a purpose which is unshakable, that ultimately you are bringing all things together for good for those who love you, that this world will not end in war and darkness and terror, that you will come one day and bring justice, bring truth, bring righteousness, and you will stand on this earth. You will be seen and heard not as Jesus on the shore of Galilee, but the risen Lord Jesus, the conquering King, the King of Kings in your glory. Thank you for this opportunity we have now to learn from you, Jesus, to learn from the Word of God, to learn about God. Thank you that, that you are speaking to us this morning through this Word, that, that you are speaking to people here, Lord. And I pray that they would hear you as we sing this last song, Lord. I pray that you would speak and call people's names here. Lord Jesus, people who are tired and weary, people who are hurting, uh, who are in pain in, in ways that we can't see physically, but mentally, emotionally, are experiencing pain. Lord, people who have a sense of lostness, they don't know what their purpose is, they don't know where their life is going. Lord, as we sing together this last song, would you speak, Jesus? Would you speak as you've been speaking through your word? And Lord, help us to follow you. Help us to recommit today to follow you. We don't have to commit to be perfect. We don't have to commit to have all the answers. We don't have to commit to have it all together. We just have to commit to take a step to follow you, Jesus, and help us do that for your glory and for your purposes. Amen.